Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the home of time. It is now quite a day for local sport from your local team. This is Charlton Live. that we lost to Gillingham yesterday. I'm at home and bloody Horizon today. So a very good evening to you and welcome to Charlton Live here on uh, Maritime Radio and what's been a very special day here at the Valley. My name is Louis Mendes joining me in the studio to look back at yesterday's defeat against Gillingham briefly and of course uh, today's excellent Legends United game uh, at the Valley is uh, the Grand Old Manager on live. Terry Smith, are you right? Evening, yeah, it's fine. I didn't realise we'd signed another double-barreled uh, player. The bloody Horizon. bloody Horizon. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Bloodied and battled after some games back in his heyday. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. My word, we could do with him back yeah. then. <laughs> as, uh, as we could most of those that were out there today. <laughs> yeah, well, in, fact, in fact, I asked Carl Robinson out of all the Legends he'd... Uh, like to have signed that were on the pitch today. I asked him if he could sign one of them for today's oh. team, and uh, you'll well, find out. Care, yeah, you'll find you'll find guess. you'll find out later on during the show which one it is. 
Uh, the second voice you hear there, Mr. Tom Wayne. How are you doing, Tom? Good. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, today, you... today cheered me up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so perfect. Needed today, didn't we? Yeah, yes, perfect. We did, yeah. Perfect, Philip. After yesterday, should we ask uh... everybody else that same question? Who, if out of the legends that were on show today, if you could sign one for today's team, who would it be? Oh, God, Easy question, is it? or is it a difficult question? Well, for you it's easy. Yeah. Herman bloody horizon. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll see. So uh, uh, on tonight's show, we will look back at yesterday's 1-0 defeat at Gillingham, uh, hearing from Carl Robson. We're also going to, of course, cover today's uh, Legends United game, 25 years back to the Valley coming up in December, and 25 years of the Community Trust being celebrated today. Uh, so, of course, we want to we want to talk about those, those moments. We've got some quality interviews lined up for you. Uh, we're going to hear from no less uh, Carl Eburn, of course, uh, Michael Bennett, legend, uh, Scott Minto, legend and TV presenter, and of course, I mean, how could you have a Legends game without Clive Mendonca uh, coming up and having a quick chat with you as well? So we're going to hear from the man. I mean, if you, if you, have, I think if you say the name, the words Charlton Athletic to you, I think, and, you, and people had to name one player, I think over the course of history, in recent history, they'd probably definitely go to Clive Mendonca. Depends on the age of the person, mm. but yeah, I get your point. Yeah, so uh, so we get to hear from him later on the show. We're also going to hear from uh, Jason Morgan, the CEO of the Charlton Athletic Community Trust, and him and uh, obviously Keith Peacock and everyone in- involved uh, in in today's uh, game. Very probably very proud of how well the Legends game went off. But there is a game, a defeat yesterday. Julian to uh, to talk about first. Let's get this over and done with. Tell you were there, <laughs> Tom. You weren't there, but you followed at home. So uh, you both all you both got to share in the misery. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think um, uh, Tom, Tom Tom basically got it. Um from our misery, I think, mm, pretty much, <laughs> and it was it, it was a strange game to, to commentate on. Commentate on, it really was. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of going to Gillingham anyway. And no I one think, is. Well, it's just one of those games that I never look really look forward to. Do you know what I mean? Of all the, the games we play and all the opposition we come up against, for some reason, I, there's a sense of foreboding when we uh, when we when we need to go to Gillingham. So the day starts off fairly depressingly as it is, and then. Um, of course, yesterday it just got um, it just got worse. And I, do you know after about ten fifteen minutes, and we did you know not rip them apart. It's probably a bit uh, overstating the case, but we absolutely we were all over them in that first ten fifteen minute period. You had the Josh chance that Josh McGinnis chance that went straight to the keeper's legs. Could have put it anywhere else in that six yard box. It was a great move to to, to set him up in the first place. Um, hit it straight at the keeper, and then three or four times. After that, we got in great positions and, and squandered the chance. And you just, it just had that feel about it the whole day, and it just got more frustrating as, as the afternoon went on. Tom, uh, watching from afar, did you, I mean, did you get that feeling as well? Yeah, it's funny that you say that, Tell, because it's credit to your commentary because that was exactly how it came across as well. I was listening and sort of settled down, and you hear those ten minutes. And think, oh, this is good. Here we go. And then after ten, fifteen minutes, I suddenly thought we we haven't scored any of those chances and. I'd started to get worried and we got to half time and we hadn't scored and it just felt like you could just sense that there was going to be something they would get their chance and if they took it well we've seen that we have we've struggled to come back from that and that's that's exactly what happened right so we want to know what you guys have made of yesterday's defeat at Gillingham you can email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk you can tweet us at Charlton Live. you can head over to the Charlton Live forum there's a thread on there for tonight's show uh, we want to know, like I say, we're, we're going to concentrate on yesterday's game first and then we will go on to the Legends game. I'm sure you've got plenty to say about the Legends game and uh, uh, you, can, you can contact us uh, about that as well. But uh, like I say, if you want to contact us about the game studio at charltonlive.co.uk, tweet us at charltonlive, charltonlive forum. Uh, let us know what you made of yesterday's defeat. What did you make of Carl Robinson's comments after the game? What did you make of the performance, the players? In, in, is there any individual player you want to 
pick out for a praise or anything like that, let us know uh, via the usual methods. I think quickly before we get going, we should listen back to Terry and uh, and Greg commentating on the defeat. This is the highlights of yesterday's game in Chillingham. Touch to De Silva inside. It goes to Forster Casket. Goes back out to De Silva, crossing halfway. Ball down the line, looking for Ricky Holmes. Oh, and he's won it. He's ridden the challenge, and he's in on the corner of the penalty area. Ricky Holmes. He'll cross it into the centre. It's a lovely oh. touch on McGinnis. Fosu the keeper. Fosu can he strike it? McGinnis does again. A di- ricochet up in the air, and Gillingham survive. And I'm not sure how. Oh, McGinnis should score for me. He's hit it straight at the goalkeeper in the end. Wilkinson, no, he's leaving it for Claire. Right-footed over the uh, wall and uh, Amos touches it onto the bar. It's a free header from Zakowani, but he's offside. I think he was offside as well, but I think Amos was caught. I think Amos wasn't expecting Claire to take it. He was all ready for Wilkinson and he's caught flat through. He just tips it onto the bar in the end. He got away with it a little Some bit. Headers back in it. It will actually fall for Billy Clark. Shooting opportunity for Clark. Draws it straight at Zakowani. Hits it again. And it's comfortable for Holy in the end, but... Another little chance there for yes, little touch. ball finds Holmes. He finds Fosu. Shooting opportunity is Fosu into penalty onto his left foot. He's oh. been brought down, has he, by Zakuani? No, it'd just be a oh. corner. I think there's two challenges. One from yeah. Byrne where he I'll got the ball. Again. I think Zakuani brought him down. That that's what I iron. saw. I think that's a penalty. I think, uh, I think Byrne might have got to the ball, but Zakuani definitely took his away as he went to pull the trigger chase O'Neill just hammers it in the air <laughs> and there is the half-time whistle here at the pre-source to Holmes is a good ball Holmes can turn Holmes in the pound here onto his left foot Ricky Holmes finds McGuinness saved by Holy Mike comes to Fosu cleared oh, away by Sakawani good to score and there again Charlton haven't scored again again you've got to give some credit to the keeper but we should score again now Lacey chips the ball forward it'll be headed away by Pierce the second ball be won by Wilkinson heads back to Amo can bring it forward to his left finds Claire Claire Takes it back onto his favoured right foot, trying to take on Solly down the line oh, for Amor in the penalty here. Amor back across goal is a tap in for Tom Ease and Gillingham have the lead. A carbon copy of Tuesday night with a space in behind the fullback. Amor picks it up, ball across by Ease. They had a simple chance and just tap time. Quite how Amor was given that space in the penalty area is absolutely beyond me. Just ran into space, nobody went with him. Simple ball to pick him out, and then he's only got one job to do and pick out a striker, and he's done that comfortably. Quickly taking corner, Solly in the penalty area, crossing Barrett at the far post, heads it back across, cleared off, off the, the line, line by Byrne. Oh, we're knocking on the door. Cleared away to then. the silver. Now the silver knocks it into the box. Bowers there, Pierce is there, Pierce setter, McGinnis is in the box, cleared Charles away, Conza! Oh, what a save! Conza again, oh, and another save. Out to McGinnis, McGinnis to silver behind him. Holmes behind him. Oh, that's the final whistle anyway. Charlton succumbed to a 1-0 defeat. Succumbed we did. Uh, defeated at Gillingham yesterday, Priestfield, uh, by one goal to nil. I mean, I mean, we're going to hear from Carl Robinson later on in the show anyway with the interview after the game. But, um, I mean, he, I tweeted out a couple of his lines, you know, specifically specifically that we should have won because we had five or six clear chances, and we, we heard those chances in that in that highlights there. We we had chances, we didn't take them comfortably. Uh, we should have got. I'd I'd say, I mean, clear chances is is a debatable one. They're, they're, yeah, we probably I'd, had two or three. Clear I'd say chances. three absolute yeah, nailed on certainties. Six, yeah. uh, we had we we had about twenty seven shots on goal, I think, totally. Um, but three should the you know the two Josh McGuinnesses one. Arguably Esri Conza's. I think the more frustrating bit for me was we were getting into positions uh, and not pulling the trigger or, or trying to whether we were trying to score a perfect goal or trying to get it into the penalty box. But we had, you know, players in opportunities or in shooting opportunities edge of the penalty area and they weren't taking them. You know, we weren't really maximising 
how poor Gillingham were, uh, and they were poor. Um, mm. You know, they, they were up for it. I think, like, as Tom said earlier on, after the first fifteen minutes, um, they sort of grew in confidence because we hadn't scored. Mm. And uh, you know, I, I don't want to put Gillingham down necessarily, but it was that was probably their cup final today. It was against the mm. geographically their closest um, rivals, um, and they were up for it after. So if, if we'd have got even one of those chances in the first quarter of an hour, I think we'd have gone on to annihilate them. Yeah, it's, it's almost a cliche that Josh McGuinness had that massive chance after just five minutes, and he should have scored. And if that goes in, then the floodgates are wide open. You'd have thought so because they they obviously tactically realised that uh, we were getting in and, in and around them or in the midfield and getting behind their defence, and they changed it exactly the way Plymouth changed it. If you remember, when Plymouth sat back, they squashed the, the gap between the midfield and the back four. So we couldn't physically get round them. They were allowing us to play across the, the halfway line and uh, back and forwards to the goalkeeper. Their two strikers were, were pressing. They, you know, got to give them some credit for that. But it didn't allow us then to get in and amongst them, in and around them, and all round the back. And, and we didn't have an answer to it. You weren't there yesterday, Tom, but you were there mm. down at Plymouth for it was quite a similar game whereby we had these chances and didn't take them. I mean, that's with. In terms of when games are going like that, when we're not taking a chance, I mean, what do you think we can try and do differently to try and shake things up? Yeah, it's a difficult one because, and again, listening to the commentary yesterday, it sounded a lot like the Plymouth defeat and not like the Wigan one where we were picked apart by, by a better side. I think what's frustrating is in both Plymouth and yesterday, we've had chances. So it's not like we had to do anything differently at nil-nil. We just keep plugging away because... Sometimes it's not going to be your day, but nine times out of ten, you're going to get that goal. And like Terry says, you're then going to floodgates are going to open, and you're going to go on and get a comfortable win. When that doesn't happen, and I think our biggest issue is when we go a goal down. I don't know if it's a mentality thing or if it's a structure or what it is, but we need to find a way of then picking this team apart because all teams are going to do it, particularly against us. You know, if we win three or four more in the next couple of months and we're still up there. Teams are going to know that if they get the first goal, they can try and shut up. And that's how teams are going to play anyone who's top of the league. At the moment, I'm not sure how we do it because we've got lots of creativity up there, but it just doesn't seem to work. And we we fall behind and we start to go a bit more sideways. When I was watching the highlights today, the kind of generic commentator for that just said it's all a bit slow, the build-up from Charlton. Now we're 1-0 down and we need to try and keep that mentality and keep our pace up because when we do that, just because we're 1-0 down, that shouldn't change the fact that we're a good side going forward. There seemed to be a clear change in the game after about, like I said, that first 15 minutes or so when you know, we, we started like a house on fire and then after that, it, saw, it, it, just, I don't know, it just slowed down in that first half. I say, they, they just sat deep. We, uh, we, we play that possession football because we like it and we're, we're patient mm. and uh, I'm sure the possession stats will look, look fantastic. But you know, most of our possession was in, in that period was done around the halfway line. You know, and we were having midfield players and even um, at some point Josh McGuinness coming really deep to pick the ball up. And then there's nowhere to go because they've covered everything behind you, mm. um, uh, or and in front of you. So, you know, we um, I don't know what the answer. I mean, there's part of me thinks we just need uh, maybe get somebody else up front with um, with Josh McGuinness, another big lump like um, like the like, and, and sort of play to the strengths that we're being um, uh, played against. Like uh, you know, um, Plymouth did it. They had um, two quite uh, uh, as I remember. Any, anyway, I'm trying to remember the, the players they had up front. Uh, Oldham tried to do it. Southend tried to do it. Um, and were less successful, obviously. But um, yesterday, you had the, the two guys up front for uh, for Gillingham, who, in fairness, put the shift in up front and closed down. Uh, didn't give didn't give us um, a lot of space at times um, when uh, when they needed to. But most of the time, just allowed us to play across the back and back towards um, Amos, and and um, that just um, 
it frust- what it does it just it just builds in the frustration it, it then gets to the fans because the fans get frustrated we haven't scored when we're on top and then we're not creating then as many chances over the next half hour so fans get you know worried and frustrated and that's normal and that sort of transfers itself onto the pitch I think and uh, um, it um, it just was a, an horrible day I think that also <laughs> builds confidence for the opposition because they see us passing it around but if it's not going anywhere it's just going to make them think right we're doing the right thing we'll, yeah we'll just let them do it we'll let them do it as you say, the fans are then getting riled up and they're just sitting there thinking, right, this is working in our favour because they're getting more and more frustrated. They're going to maybe lose confidence uh, or concentration, sorry, which is what happened for a couple of the Wigan goals and then they can pounce and that's what happened again yesterday. Mm. Uh, other than the Gillingham goal that was ruled out for offside after Amos had tipped the free kick onto the crossbar that Kiwani headed it in, he was in an offside position. that It really was a bit of a lull in the rest of that first half and then sort of five minutes before the interval we had a Decent penalty shot when Fossey went into the penalty area, went down under pressure from Byrne and Zakuani. Did you have a view on that, Till? Well, when it at first um, first viewing, when I saw it um, in real time, I thought it was a penalty because you saw Zakuani's leg go out and uh, it looked like uh, Fossey had, uh, as he was pulling the trigger, hit hit Zakuani's leg. Um, whether that was him hitting the leg or Zakuani hitting Fossey was difficult to tell, but it looked it to me at, at real time anyway. Uh, we had one in the first half as well, again on Fosu, where um, uh, he went down under a challenge in the penalty area. I think it's one of those, that one was more, if it's anywhere else on the pitch, the referee probably gives a free kick. But in the penalty area, it's not going to happen. You think he went down quite easily? Then? Yeah, maybe so. But then, I mean, how many times did it happen uh, all over the pitch in that game, with the referee giving free kick after free kick for apparently nothing? Um, because it's an easy out, but in the penalty area, they're more um, they're more inclined to think, oh no, I'm not sure, so I'm not going to. Yeah. But I thought the Fossil one was a fair shout. The second one, sorry. Yeah. So despite what Sky Sports were reporting at halftime, it was nil nil. <laughs> they were reporting the one nil. They didn't realise that yeah. Zakuani had been uh, chalked out, uh, chalked off. We had the huge chance again at the start of the second half, and again it's fallen to McGuinness. He's fired at the goalkeeper again now. After the Plymouth game, he was getting sticks. Since then, he had that run of goals. I mean, he's a striker. Who's, he's going to have every striker is going to have a game like like he's done yesterday, where he's going to miss a few chances, isn't he? Yeah, uh, and again, that's why. Again, it, it goes back to that Plymouth game. There are a lot of similarities to it. Um, you know, obviously, you want your, uh, your striker to put away every chance he gets, but realistically, especially at this level, that's just not going to happen. Um, what you want is to not have to rely on that one person. You want other people to be able to weigh in as well. And obviously we had the Ricky free kick and a couple of other chances. Foss who had one in that first half. Um, but yeah, everyone's got to take collective responsibility for both winning, losing, scoring, defending, everything. You know, the amount of work Josh does at the back that doesn't go unnoticed either. So he's going to have days where where he has an off day. What's unfortunate is the two times that's happened, he's had two or three clear chances in both games and we've gone on to lose both games. So... Obviously, it's going to stick out and, and people are going to notice it, but uh, he's he's won us a lot of points in the not just the last few weeks, but last season as well. So he is going to have these off days, unfortunately, and that, that's just the way it is. Now, it was only two minutes later that um, it's almost like a carbon copy of one of Wigan's goals on Tuesday night. Evans, uh, Gillingham get down our right there, left, and get behind the full back, and there's no one there stopping Max Aimer to square it, and it's an easy tapping in the end for Tom Eves. But it's frustration when you see a goal like that. Again, yeah. I mean, the Tuesday night one, I, I sort of under, well, understood is probably not the right word, but um, that all stemmed actually from uh, Ricky Holmes not getting a free kick when he should have done. Mm. Um, he got pulled back but clearly, pulled head, yeah, pulled back clearly right in front of the referee who waved it away. He got the ump, went sliding in, nearly took out like player, ball boy, dug out the lot. <laughs> um, and uh, was then, of course, that left Solly 
hopelessly exposed on that right side and, and they, they just danced around it. Two players just went past him, cross goal. Saturday's one, yesterday's one, a bit more difficult to understand because Amar came from the central midfield, drifted behind uh, both Solly and... I'm not sure Ricky Holmes was on that side at that point, but anyway, whoever, whoever was on that side, just drifted in the space behind. And... Um, you know, we were pushing up. I, I, I don't know if it was O'Neill who passed the ball into his, his path, but um, he was just left unchallenged. He just waltzed into the corner of the penalty area, uh, picked up the ball, and he almost couldn't miss the striker that was in the middle. I mean, that uh, that guy was a big lump anyway. Um, was it Eves? Eves, yeah. You um, couldn't miss him, and uh, Eves pulled away, ball to his feet, easy tapping. Um, but and, and that's the worry thing. How did how did Aimer just drift into that space unchallenged? It was mm. bizarre. I mean, do you think that's because of the way we set up that we don't officially have two wingers? Then therefore, they're not going to officially be tracking back to to join up with the um, with the with the fullbacks. Well, normally I'd, I'd I'd probably agree with you, but it, Amos was in the centre of midfield, so it wasn't it wasn't a, a winger's responsibility almost because I, I think the wingers or the, the left the right back and uh, whoever was playing in front of Solly at the time I can't remember um, at that particular phase of play probably had them in covered but Amor just drifted in from the middle of uh, the centre midfield so then you've got to be looking at what is that Forster Kasky's man is it Cash's man who's, whose man is that mm. um, and should they you know, should they have been the one running with him to stop him because if all you needed was someone, somebody to run with him as we'd been doing most of the game stopping them from because I mean, let's face it apart from that free kick and the goal there wasn't a great deal else for uh, Amos to do not really um, in terms of this statistic now Tom every time we've gone behind we've gone on to lose this season what do you make of that that, that's my biggest concern. Um, I said it on on Thursday's show as well. I think our inability so far to come back from from being behind uh, and our seeming lack of putting a plan B into operation are both the, the biggest worries. Um, Tuesday, obviously, I was disappointed like everybody else, but I thought it was maybe, you know, we came up against a good side. It was a one-off. Um, I just didn't expect at all to lose yesterday. I thought we're coming up against bottom of the league a chance for those players to put things right um, and we've seen what the mentality of the players is like or heard about what their mentality is like about wanting to right wrongs and, and perform well um, and it just didn't happen and when that happens against the Gillingham side who I don't think they've won a game before then that starts to make me worry because if if we can't get back from a, a 1-0 uh, losing position against them then obviously that gives confidence to everybody else in the league that if they can just get ahead What's this? What's this side going to be like? So, yeah, it is a big concern. It's not a crisis. We're still up in the top half of the table. We've still won five of our first eight games. You know, it is still largely a, a pretty good start, but it's just a, a little creeping concern. You know, coming into Berry at the weekend that we don't want to start getting on a slippery slope. Now we we need to rectify it and, and quickly. Now, when we made our first change with uh, sort of midway through the second half, we brought Joe Dodu on for Fossey. And obviously, that means that he's going to go and play on the wing, stay within the same sort of formation. I mean, do you have a view on that? I mean, is, is there. I mean, Carl, Carl has his favoured formation that he, he prefers not to change if, if he can get away with it. And uh, I mean, do you think that, that can hold him back in some cases? Do you think that would have made any difference yesterday? It's difficult to know whether it would have made a difference had, he, had, had we gone, let's, let's say, four four two, for example. Um, I mean, I did say that you, you get the opinion that we should just have another lump on the on the sideline to um, beat people, beat the centre halves up, and just launch it in there. But you know, that's that's not the style of football that, that Carl wants to play. Clearly, on the other end, um, you had Dodu come on, and even when Carl and Hergrot come on, you know, they both went wide, mm. and that made little sense to me. I mean, it's not my favoured. Um, situation. I'd, I'd much prefer Carl and uh, play up alongside uh, Josh McGuinness. And then, if we have to go route one, you've got a better chance of, of making it work. 
and we did go route one a few times and and it was just uh coming to nothing so it is a strange one for me but it's obviously the way he wants to play and there's no change in that which is a little bit strange and, and may as um as tom just alluded to with uh going goal behind that's fine it works perfectly when you go a goal up and when you're in the ascendancy when you've got to try and get back into a game not changing or at least not having the ability to change and maybe he doesn't think we've got the personnel I don't know but um, it makes us a bit one dimensional my argument on Thursday show was why especially when we went 2-0 down to Wigan after Carlin had come on why not just try it why not try something different because even if it doesn't work you, you know we were going to lose that game anyway uh, you know just give something a go and you're right he does seem reluctant and I appreciate this 4-5-1 that he's got it is working well on the on the whole but when you're a goal down and when it's not working, I don't see what the harm in putting either Dodo or Ahern Grant up alongside McGuinness or trying something different. Well, strangely, he did try something different. He put um, Patrick Bauer up there. <laughs> the last, for the last couple of minutes. Well, he had a, he had a header cleared off the yeah, line. Did, yeah. I, mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, what was what was your assertion of when when I asked Carl? We we'll hear it hear it in the interview after. I saw. I, I just mentioned to him that we, every time we've lost, every time we've gone behind, we've lost this season. And he said he's not as worried because we were still creating chances. I mean, we did we did have some chances late on, but. I mean, it's true, and, and, and it, had we converted even 50%, well, no, actually, even 10% probably of the actual chances we had, and if you, if you talk about the, the three guilted ones, guilt-edged ones, yeah, if they go in, it's a completely different game. But, you know, football's not all about... Um, you know, and I said it to him, actually, in an interview afterwards, that um, is it more concerning that if we can't score, we're still not keeping a clean sheet? You know, I, I get the impression that um, he's not really... Uh, one for thinking. Well, I don't care. You know, if if they score one, we we can score two. A bit like the old uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid days, the Galacticos. You know, we'll always score mm. more than you do. Uh, I'm not sure that works in this league. I mean, there's got to be times when you you should be able to batten down the hatches. And if you're not going to win, don't lose. I don't know whether we're geared up for that. Mm. I don't see too many draws this season coming, and well, certainly no yeah. nil nils. Well, considering Gillingham were bottom of the league uh, before yesterday, I, don't, I haven't actually seen if they if they went up after their victory oh, yesterday. Well, but we've now um, we've now conceded exactly the same amount of goals as they have. Strange, because we we'd only conceded one more before them. Uh, now, as we get into the last five minutes, the the most controversial incident of Cheltenham Athletics uh, history uh, <laughs> happened when uh, when someone lobbed a smoke a grenade onto the field. Oh, three, or, three, three smoke grenades in the end. Um, now, obviously, we get uh, stuck too much into anything that, that went on online yesterday, but you get, uh, from one point of view, you get, oh, it's just, it's just a smoke grenade, don't really care. From the other point of view, it's like, well, you know, we are still trying to chase a game here. That's slowed us down for a couple of minutes. I mean, personally, I was probably nearer the that one. Like, it, it did slow us down, but at the same time, it, we didn't really look like we were getting back into it anyway. No, so it's not the true. end of the world. But The only thing I'd say about it in, 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 uh, in a negative way, I suppose, because I mean, flares on sort of smoke grenades or whatever they were on the pitch, um, it's... Um, it's not my my thing, but you know, if you want to do it, fine. Um, the only thing that I thought about it is that at that period, or just before that period, we'd actually had a little bit of a run with the clearing off the line you said before. You had Conza's chances, um, I think, as well. And what it did do was it got the Gillingham fans up because they were quite annoyed about it. And so it got them up. And in the process of them getting up and rallying and, and uh, obviously calling us names, um, it got their team up again. At a point when we looked like we were maybe getting in the ascendancy. I'm not saying, we, I mean, actually, we would have probably been there till Christmas and not scored. That's not the point. But we did have a big chance we, after that as well. It, you know, and it, it, I just think if it, 
It probably—I wouldn't say negative effect. That's probably not fair either, because I probably had no effect at all. But yeah, if, I think that's probably. Yeah. Um, it had no effect at all. But if it was going to have any effect, it, it lifted the the home crowd up a bit, and they got angry, and and probably gave them a bit more of a lift than you'd want them to. But other than that, I mean, I thought it was just nothing really. I mean, yeah. Other than the fact that it stunk. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those ones where, like, and um, you know, that they come onto the pitch, and for me, like, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I've never chucked a smoke grenade on myself and never really cared about it I mean, but the timing of it seemed a bit weird because I mean the, the best I mean the best use I mean obviously European football fans they had 50 of them and it looks amazing when it when it's in English football it's one it looks a bit naff really but I mean when it's timed right I mean the best the best smoke grenade photo I've ever seen was when Man United had scored an away goal at Man City late on and there was this all these uh, like Man United fans in this smoke and the players and stuff and it looks amazing just the timing of it, like, oh, hey, we're one nil down, hey. Mm. Well, I think it's probably a case. They probably brought them thinking, you know, yeah. um, expecting us to, to expect to celebrate a win, and so therefore the flares would have uh, accompanied a victory, mm. and you could get that. That that's all well and good. So probably towards the end, of thinking, well, we ain't going to win this in a million years, <laughs> so, and I'm not taking them home. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we had, I mean, nine minutes of injury time, but even during that, we didn't really create much. Did we? A couple of corners, perhaps, and uh, uh, first defeat uh, to Gillingham. In the league since 1929, as uh, our in-house statistician knows. I was going to say, you yeah. need to stop with those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I already mentioned that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to pack that in. It's, I, mean, it's a bizarre, I mean, it is a bizarre stat. I mean, we, we, also, the other stat I worked out is that actually this season and last season, the first time we've, com- we've played them in consecutive years since 1935, we don't play them that often. It's a very rarely contested fixture, but... Uh, you know, we, we had a bit of a, a bit of a design over them. They're like, it's a bit like Charlton Millwall. They haven't beaten us since 1929. It was quite impressive, but that's gone now. We've only lost four times. Well, now five. Up to yesterday, it was only four times we've ever lost to them, I think. Mm. And, and five now. Um, we've beaten them 14 times, I think. <laughs> and drawn 12. So, we, you know, we normally we, we do quite well. Although, I don't remember that. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it must have happened. Well, the 1929 game, you must have been there. Obviously yeah. not. No. <laughs> I think I was ill that day. <laughs> um I don't ever remember enjoying myself down at Gillingham, so I always think we always. When I saw that stat, it was surprised me a little bit because I only ever remember not being very happy down there. Um, and I've been there a few times to watch Charlton, so um, maybe I was just unlucky. I don't know. Right, let's have a listen to what Carl had to say. He came out to speak to him. My, we did loads of interviews. This is the one with myself after yesterday's game. Uh, Carl Robertson on the defeat at Gillingham. Carl, a defeat here at Gillingham. What did you make of today's game? Sure, the one. You can't go away from home and miss four, five, six chances. Um, everyone in there frustrated. I think our effort was there. You can clearly see that. Our job was to make sure that we create chances, but we have to take them. And that's the people when you say chances, people automatically just look at your striker. Even from set pieces today, there was opportunities for us to easily score. They carved us open once and scored. Um, against the run of play, were disappointed, frustrated. And we've let people down. We should have won. It's as simple as that. The reaction for when you go a goal down, every time trying to come behind this season, they've gone on to lose. It makes it more difficult. But as you say, chances yeah, still missing. Yeah, but, those, yeah, but we, well, when you go behind, if we didn't create any chances, you'd say, well, where's it going to come from? We, 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 from the goal, I think we created four chances inside the six-yard box. In fairness to the players, not many of them missed the target. Uh, the keepers had the best game I've seen them play for a long time. Um, I oh, know he's got one in the match, but I thought the goalkeeper's man in the match today. I think if you look at the amount of times we hit the targets, it was it was ridiculous. Listen, we're not trying to dig out Gillingham in any way, shape, or form, but we were by far the better team here today. And uh, it's 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 
just silly things, stupid things that we have no control of. The games like today where you wish you'd have the likes of Ben Reeves and Mark Marshall available to bring off the bench to try and change yeah, something. Listen, you look, you look at the, um, you look at the, you look at the, like, the likes of people like that quality. That you know it's going to be difficult, and not when you, you've got young players coming on as a bench. But it's the, it's the way we've gone. It, it is what it is. We've got young players who were, who were trying to blood into the first team. Um, I don't think any of our subs over the last three or four weeks have made an impact when they come on in some ways. So it's a little bit of a disappointment for us because um, they should be coming on the talent that they've got and do something different. Mark Marsh is back up run today. Reeves has been up run today. Harry Lennon has been up run today. Um, so it's so you, you all them players aren't too far away from coming into the squad. They're not going to be maybe there thereabouts as a group massively sort of very quickly. But we know they're getting back to fitness. But play like that and you win games. It's as simple as that. And that's the frustrating thing about it. If you, if you offered that performance, the most team up down the country today, and just showed the chances, you go, yeah, we'll take that. Five, six, guilt edge chances, and we just didn't take them. There was an appeal for a penalty just before half time yeah, when penalty, Tariq Potsu went down. Yeah, it's a penalty, but like I can harp on about if, buts, and maybe's. That's not, that's not really probably the case in some ways. I'd much rather talk about what we had control of ourselves, and it was the chances. Um, but yeah, that was a penalty. It was clear for everyone to see. He's gone through Tariq. To get the ball, um, but we didn't get it. Um, that's the way it is. Ricky Holmes picked up his fifth uh, booking yeah. of the season, so you're gonna have to be without him. No, the referee just apologised for the booking. He said he didn't, didn't think it was a booking afterwards. He reacted too quickly, and he's literally just come up and apologised to Ricky. He didn't. He said, "I'm sorry for the booking. I hope it doesn't affect anything." And Ricky said, "Well, I'm, I'm suspended now." Because Ricky threw the ball towards the floor, but towards where it was, not away. Or and he's, he, he's been told the referee that he made a mistake there. When I spoke to you after the win at Oldham a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned that you want to see, you know, obviously you want a good spell, then you want to see how your team will react to a bad spell. And you've lost two in a row, so how you react now is all important. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's, that's, that's a massive part of what we're trying to do, is trying to create a team that is obviously free-flowing, but equally very, very disciplined. Um, but, listen, it's about digging yourself out of holes, and you've only lost two. Listen, there could have been an awful lot worse. Um, as Billy just said in there, you look at a... We've got a number of points on the board. We don't know where we are, but we're still going to be massively in contention. Uh, just because you've lost one or two games, you, you, it's part and parcel of football. I bet you a lot of the teams in the top six will have not picked up maximum points. It's just the way the league is this year. Um, so you've got to respond in the right way. And obviously away from today's game tomorrow, the value you've got, the, the Legends yeah. game, which is going to be a special sort of commemoration 25 years back at the value. Yeah, listen, uh, we've let people down today, but that, that certainly won't fall over into people who made this club great tomorrow. Um, we'll all be there uh, in support of the players who've been here. It'd be nice to speak to some of them again for me personally to find out a little bit more. I know Paulie's playing and there's a number of people that'll be there that it'd be nice to pick their brains on one or two facets of maybe the football club before that's our time here um, but one thing about it was I'll, I'll have a sore head not because of anything other than just disappointment um, and that's something we've got to get right for forthcoming games Back John Live here on Maritime Radio discussing yesterday's 1-0 defeat at Gillingham. We just heard there from manager 
Carl Robinson. Tom, what did you make of the manager's reaction? Because, I mean, um, uh, I, I, like I said, I'll tweet out some lines and he, he tends, you get some stick after a game like that where he talks about the chances we've had because, uh, of course, we haven't taken them. What do you make of that? He's, he's got a point, hasn't he? Like we've all talked about, we did have chances. I think what you want to see from your manager is, is how you're going to put it right the next week. Um, you know, he's one of the things we criticised him for or sort of explored before he became manager was his his excuses that he looks for and he hasn't really done that so I think that's a that's obviously a positive um for me it's all about looking at, as we said on, on Thursday's show after Tuesday and, and what he said in his press conference there how how we bounce back um and I think you asked him that question there and he was quite honest about that again as well so I personally uh you know I I have my doubts when he came in I, I think I've made it clear through the show that I'm warming to him um I think he's very honest, he's very open um, and I think, yeah, it, you get the sense that he's not going to let let his players you know, slack off, he's going to get working on them and, and look to put things right as soon as possible, which is obviously as a fan what you want to see. Because mm, I know it's Bob Liskin that just said, I don't think that I saw the same game as Carl yesterday, I thought we were poor again. Terry, we've got plenty more tweets that have come into our Charlton Live. Yes, indeed, Jonathan Eckworth's tweeted us in, he's got two actually. Uh, I want to see Carl make changes for the Berry. Drop Solly, he's awful, four out of ten again, weak link, drop Big Josh, play the youth, simple as that. We need Akin Fenwa, a quality striker is on fire with Wickham. Yeah. yeah uh, I mean, the, the, the point about Solly, because I saw someone else tweet yeah, that yesterday week, as well. Someone, well. someone tweeted that last week, I mean, do you think Solly's struggling at all? I well, I, I think it's been unfair. You're right, there's... Um, uh, there's there's another one here. Um, Anthony Pentance uh, said Solly's been in decline for about four seasons. He played Konza at right back. We'd also be stronger defending set pieces. I don't have a problem with Konza going right back, by the way. I don't think that's a bad shout at all as, uh, as a cover. I think it's a little unfair because um, yesterday that guy came from midfield. It's not Solly's man. So uh, he shouldn't be. Uh, I don't think he could be criticised for, for, for the goal. The one on uh, Tuesday, as I say, that first one, he was left hopelessly exposed by Ricky Holmes going in for a lunge. Uh, that he should have been, he should have been on his feet and, and helping his his right back out. So, I think it's a little harsh, personally. Yeah, I think just because the way we set up, we don't. I mean, officially we do have wingers, but they're they're more forward than perhaps traditionally. So perhaps so he doesn't get as much cover as, as he should be. Getting. I um, I said that in the week. I think uh, whilst I agree, and particularly going back to Tuesday's game, I think De Silva, for example, didn't have his greatest game on Tuesday night. But I think through any goal that we concede from wide our fullbacks are going to look overexposed because Fosu and Holmes get forward so much and the support just isn't there in the same way um, I think Kashi and, and Forster Kasky could perhaps do more rather than supporting the two fullbacks and push out and help a little bit but I agree Solly recently you know you've got to look at the goals coming from that area and say right he's got to take some of the responsibility of course I think he's been a brilliant right back for us over the years but I don't know maybe he needs a rest but I do think uh, that lack of support obviously plays a part and I think that would be the case for any right back Tell have got some other tweets yeah we have uh, Max uh, St John Brown Max CFC has tweeted this need a striker that can get us a goal out of nothing McGuinness isn't that player Cole also needs a plan B because plan A won't always work um, and that comes back to the point really doesn't it about whether whether we're too rigid within our one formation and mm. whether I mean is, is do you look at that bench and think well there isn't really much you can bring on I mean, and there is the likes of Ben Reeves and Mark Marshall to come back. But even then, they'll, they'll probably slot into the same formation, I think. So it'd be a case of, well, it's not quite working for Tariq Fosu today. Let's chuck on Mark Marshall and see what he can do. That'll, that, I feel like that'll be more the case. I think he's very much built this squad around that 4-5-1, um, even the players. The, the thing is, with the players you look at now, 
you could bring either Dodu or or a Hearn Grant on up front. You could switch things around there. You know, you could bring one of Kashi or uh, Forster Kaski off and change the formation in midfield a little bit. Um, so you, you've got options there. Konza obviously can play in a lot of different positions. You've got Aribo who could play more attacking as a midfielder. So, you know, I'm not saying we're blessed with talent and, you know, we've not, we know we've not got the biggest squad in the world, but I think there are players there that could adapt to different things. I think Carl's reluctance to play any other formation is perhaps the bigger hindrance at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Anthony Pentance um, tweeted us in, felt really positive last weekend. I now feel like it's same old. We always blow good opportunities, just like in cup games. Mm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think Carl, if, in fact, we're, I, I spoke to Carl again today about the Legends game. He was quite interesting. He was talking about how up until you know a week ago, everyone was saying how well we're doing. And mm. now the, I mean, it's, it's all changed again. We, we, saw, we saw frustration on Twitter yesterday, frustration in the ground, I'm sure, as well. Um, the message boards, everything, and we're, and we're all feeling down after a defeat. I mean, it is, it's amazing how quickly that that feeling has turned around, and it is two defeats, isn't it? But but it's how I'm, that's how I'm feeling when I when I when I was on the train home from Gillingham, I was thinking, I was even dreading coming here today to the show. I, said, I just want a day off from talking about Charlton. But that's that's how a couple of games can make you feel. I think if we were probably if we were in any any other division, it might not be quite so bad. But I think everybody knows that if you're going to win this uh, or get out of this league. You've got to put a run together and you can't slip up like we did uh, yesterday. Losing to Wigan, uh, probably a team that uh, that are going to be there or thereabouts, if not walk the league. Reminded me very much of us when we won the um, League One, Wigan, um, under Chris Powell. They had a, a steal about them as well as a, a little bit of class. So um, that's one thing. But uh, to lose to you, if you're going to put uh, a sustained and, and, and uh, promotion bid in, you can't be losing to Gillingham. And that's, I think, what uh, why, it make, why it feels so bad, because we had high hopes of uh, of the side that we've got, because uh, they're good players and they played well in the first uh, opening period. Uh, but yesterday felt like, um, as um, actually, as a little bit uh, what's been tweeted in, it felt like a step backwards. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and now it's, it's sort of a case of how you re- react to that, because um, I mean. It's- we were talking to Scoop on the way down uh, after on the way down the stairs after the game. Obviously, it took him about fifty times to get his stat right, but basically, <laughs> he, said, he kept telling us how no team has ever got promoted after losing seven games. It took us about twenty minutes to work out he was talking about automatically and not just ever. But um, it's, I mean, three three defeats now already early on. That that is not the sort of form that will get you anywhere near those. Um, those automatic promotion places, Unless the and, and is particularly poor. Yeah, and I'll, but are we looking at ourselves as? I mean, I've I've said all season really. I think we're playoff challengers. We're not we're not automatic promotion challengers. I think that's probably fair, um, especially after seeing uh, Wigan on uh, on Tuesday night. I think uh, they they've got to be there or thereabouts. But you, you look at Wigan and and how they played against us, and then you see that Shrewsbury beat them one 0 um, And I think uh, looking at the reports of that game, they did it exactly how we're not doing it by just defending for their lives. And nicking a goal, you know, and, and being prepared, they were probably prepared to draw that nil nil. They'd have been quite happy to draw that nil nil, but as it turns out, they went up uh, the other end and nicked a goal, which um, which is brilliant for them. And and I think the trouble, I don't see us being able to do that, and that's uh, a little bit uh, disappointing. Mm. You got any other tweets, Intel? Uh, yes, we've got um, Roger Trask. Uh, I'm totally gutted. Two defeats and not one head slap. <laughs> Uh, well, I need to I need to score if we want to have some head slapping. Absolutely, and uh, Charlton Exiles losing to Wigan. Okay, oh, I've just lost it. They're a promotion rival, but losing promotion to the Jules. Losing to Jules. Uh, it's probably eight games in, long way to go. Uh, but uh, over to you, Carl Robinson. 
And uh, Anthony Penton again. I can't believe Ben Reeves isn't match ready yet. I mean, uh, is is he getting ready for an Olympic decathlon? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the point. I mean, Carl did mention we, we fought a couple of weeks ago on his Thursday press conference. It sounded like he's being is quite is is a bit annoyed with him the fact he took him so long to sign, which meant he didn't have his pre season. But it is mm. does seem to be dragging on a bit now, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think obviously the issue with Marshall as well in terms of being injured. Um, uh, personally, and this is going all the way back to South End. I know we won that game, but I would have. If we were going to rest anyone at any point, that would have been the game um, to then have a. Because I did think we looked a bit leggy. Okay, Wigan, you know, beat us comfortably on the Tuesday night, but we looked a bit, a bit leggy and a bit out of, out of sorts. And I think I know we haven't got a huge squad to work with, but there is some rotation available there, and obviously that's going to be added to or bolstered when uh, when Reeves and Marshall are back, and the, the quicker they're back, the better. But I think Carl's got to be very careful about managing his squad because particularly in the run between now and Christmas, you know, those Saturday, Tuesdays, they come fairly regularly. Um, and the truth is that the, the 11 that have played, what, every game? Or most of the games in the league so far are not going to be able to do that all the way until Christmas. So yeah. the quicker those two are back, the better. Yeah, it's not quite every game. But for example, I think yesterday was the third or fourth game we've been unchanged, was to be mm. third. So, mm. yeah, and uh, that, that, that I imagine does have its... Uh, toll on the squad at some point and hmm. uh, right let's have a look at some emails from uh, yesterday's game the first one comes in from Chris Davin he says after all the positivity of late has been undone in the last two results I was at the Wigan game and the performance was embarrassing we lost to the better team said Robinson uh, as if that's okay then he said even I can't fault the players but I can we gifted them three goals nothing to do with Wigan being great just us being inept Fast forward to Gillingham, I wasn't there, but a first league defeat to Gillingham in living memory against one of the poorest Gillingham sides in decades is unacceptable. Robinson's once again said, I don't blame the players, we just didn't put the ball in the net. So we have umpteen shots and don't score, I'd have thought the players were to blame somehow. After Wigan, Robinson apologised to the fans, big deal, just as we seem to have turned the corner. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even a feature on Saturday's Football Focus, no less, we blow it. I'm sick of being in this pub league. We're Charlton Athletic. We have spent some money. Robinson said he was happy with the squad. So what's going on? Our squad is paper thin. There is no forward cover for Big Josh. Dodu uh, Do is just that. I think he's saying Dodu. Uh, he couldn't get a game in Scotland. So no way he could hack it in League One. Uh, way too much of a step up. People have been praising Pierce, Bauer, Amos. It's been so great. Then how comes we're shipping so many goals? It's got to be someone's fault. Same on Charlton. Let you down time and time again. What do you think? I mean, let's take the last point about the defending there. So, I mean, like we said, we, we do we do talk up Pearson Bowers so after the start of the season, but we have also conceded the same amount of goals as Gillingham. We conceded, uh, what is it, 11 now, I think. Mm. Uh, 
Yeah, well, I mean, as, as I mentioned earlier, um, if there should be a um, something in place to say, right, if we're not going to win this, we're not going to lose it either, and uh, and we don't seem, and I don't quite know how to pick it out because you look at that back four, and as you say, um, Pierce and Bauer have been playing quite well. You'd say. Um, I like Chris Solly. I know some people are saying that he's lost it, but I'm not entirely sure I agree with that. And uh, De Silva at left back as well, uh, who I, I rate. Um, that it, it's tough to see where, and and maybe, you know, uh, some you know people are right, and maybe we're wrong that that it does need changing because, at some point, we've got to be able to keep a clean sheet, mm. <laughs> and we don't seem capable of doing that at the minute. It's mm. baffling, isn't it? Because even that Rotherham game that we won, we came into the show on the Sunday after that and said how well we defended. But then when you think about it, they did have that basically open goal that they missed at the start. They did have that header that they put wide. So even they had their chances then. And you think, obviously, we've conceded two at Plymouth. We conceded a three at Oldham when we should have won that comfortably. So we are actually shipping goals all over the place. But as Terry says, when you look at them as as individual personnel, they're, they're solid defenders. And I think we're all happy that with the back four we've got. But I don't know, maybe it's a bit like kind of Klopp's Liverpool. You know, exciting going forward, which is something we've said. And we we've got that we're going to score more the new mentality but obviously the result of that is that you are going to concede at the other end what did you make of Chris's point about uh, Robinson coming out to protect the players because obviously um, he did against Wigan said it was my fault apologised to the fans yesterday uh, he sort of said you know um, in the interview we just heard there he's, he mentioned about how you know the players were hitting the target the goalkeeper had the best game of his life I mean obviously you need to put it to the side of the goalkeeper that sort of thing I mean, he's a manager who tries to protect his players normally I and mean, when he had that that Situation at Shrewsbury last season where he blamed them all, but would would you make of his general try and like man management within the media? I think um, you'd expect nothing less. I would have thought. I mean, you can't come at you know. I think he got quite criticised, as I remember, um, for what he said at Shrewsbury last season. Uh, and in my view, I think um, probably rightly. I mean, it's, if you if you openly criticise players and then ask them to go to the trenches for you, they're going <laughs> to stick a finger up, aren't they? Mm. Uh, so I'd expect him to. to Back his players, and, I, and to a certain extent, I sort of understand him uh, because you know, if um, he's right, if if you're not creating the chances, then you can understand why we're um, you know you could probably have more to say about the performance as far as the management goes against uh, against, uh, against the team. But you know, when you're creating chances and not converting them, what do you then do? Just slate the individual for missing the chance? Is that is that productive? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure it makes a difference. You know, I don't think any of them are deliberately not scoring. Mm. Um, the, so um, I don't know a mixture of missed opportunities good defending because they were throwing uh, Gillingham were throwing their bodies in the way and the keeper I'm not quite in the uh, in the camp where he had a blinder by the way I think um, we made it fairly comfortable for him at times it, the, the one he tipped onto the bar the, you had the other one where um, he smothered Konza's second shot which I thought was quite good other than that I thought mostly it was straight at him mm. um, obviously he's got to be there in the positional sense I suppose but um I also get that uh, I can't remember who said sent the email, but um, I also understand. You know, yes, it is the player. You, you can't hide from the fact that if, if players don't score, then you know, if you've got a striker and he misses two opportunities, then it's his fault that he missed the opportunities. You can't hide away from that. Um, but I don't think the manager coming out, coming out and slagging him off would make any difference or, or be very productive. Hmm. Right, uh, Dan Farmer, in my day. good evening. Dan says trying to stay positive after yesterday's game. Five wins out of eight is still good and still sixth in the league. And I don't want Robinson gone. That would be crazy in my opinion. But Robinson has no plan B when we go behind in a game, which I hope he looks at now and will hopefully change. The squad depth we all knew about again yesterday. No player from the bench changed the game, same as Tuesday. 
No home Saturday. Who replaces him? Cag, Dodu, not good enough. Calm down a lot now after yesterday, but we can't afford to keep losing like this if we want promotion. And they said he was off to the Legends game. 25 years. Here's to another 25 and hopes for more highs rather than lows. Thanks for that. Uh, Dan Farmer and uh, I mean it's you know Dan's probably being the voice of reason in case though it's five wins out of eight we're still safe and still two points off second. Oh look if we'd only if we'd lost two uh, well we lost three games now but yeah. if we lost two um, the last you know we've lost two back to back once against one against a fairly good side and, and the other one against a, a pub team basically <laughs> um, with all due respect to Gillingham. If we don't think that is with all due respect, no, 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 you're calling like a pub that. team there. Yeah, so. no, fair enough. That's true, <laughs> and I mean it as well. Um, <laughs> If you'd have lost to them to uh, sort of at the beginning of the season and, and last week, then and it's mixed in amongst everything else, you're probably not feeling quite so bad. But the fact that we've just lost two on a bounce after such a, uh, a feel-good period, mm. I think that's that's probably what it is, and it's frustration. And hopefully, we can forget about it over the next couple of weeks, and we we get back to winning two on a bounce, and and we uh, we can sign this particular weekend to the dustbin apart from today. Mm. Right, uh, we've got another email. This is from. Uh, KV Management, so I don't know who that is, but he says, just been listening to a national radio phoning with Kelly Cates and Ian Wright, so I'll be 606. Chong fans don't know how good they've got it. They should be poor, moaning Manchester United fans with their foreign owners. <laughs> After all, they're only, they're only top of the Prem and beat Everton 4 0 today. Uh, I was at Gillingham yesterday and I blame Louis Mendes for pointing out our record. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> As for Carl, is he going to send out raging animals and make sure they are not nice? Oh, that's from Cap, it says at the bottom, so that makes sense. Cap Varner. Um, yeah, everyone's blaming me for the tweets, so it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, he, he says he felt the team were too nice yesterday. Did you get that impression at all? It's uh, a difficult <laughs> one, really. I, d- I don't know about too nice. I mean, I I think we don't have the um, really um, horrible streak that I think mm. some teams need and have. If you if you compare the Wigan game, uh, if you go back to the Wigan game rather. Uh, was it Mosey? Marcy? What was his name? The guy Mosey. Morsey. Morsey. That's it. Yeah. In midfield, he he beat us up in midfield. You know, he was a bit sneaky as well, and uh, and conned the ref a few times. But basically, he was a nasty piece of work. But he was that still. And I and I, I said I likened them to um, to our uh, League mm. One winning team. You know, when we had Danny Ollins, mm. that type of player. And we don't have that type of player. You know, we, um, we don't have. And I, I hate to say this because everybody's going to get all depressed again. But we we don't have a Yan Kermigan. Um, who's uh, who's going to put his head into other play po- people's faces at both ends of the pitch? You know, we we had we done with Michael Morrison, who's who was uh, who, who did the same thing. You know, there was nobody who was going to muck it. But we got Jason Pierce, who does it. Of course, he does. But I seem I think we lack that little bit of um, of the hard edge that I think you need. I think as well these games where we're losing by the odd goal or we can't seem to get the ball in the back of the net from our forwards. You think back to. The Cardiff 5-4, the QPR game at home, the Fulham game where we were 2-0 down. Jacko, like, always there, always someone who we could rely on to come on, you know, get a goal off the bench, be around at corners. We we don't, and I think it was Dan Farmer said, none of the substitutions really impacted the game. And we just don't seem to, at the moment, have someone like that. And when we're on our game, that doesn't matter. You look at the Northampton game, you know, we could have played with 10 or 9 men and probably still won that because the players that were on the pitch were playing so well. But when we're not, you know, we need players like that. Like Tell says, you need someone to be gritty in the middle. You need someone to, to get up there for a corner and stick their head on it. And th- that type of bit is lacking. So f- from that perspective, I kind of understand what you're saying and I think I agree. Right, we're going to have a quick break in a few moments' time. But first of all, just something we, we heard today, Tell, some sad news. 
Uh, but the passing of Richard Collins, a former uh, director, vice chairman, yeah, I think. Vice as well. chairman, chairman, director. Um, yeah, sad indeed, because um, Richard Collins seemed to have been around forever, if I'm honest. Um, he was about in the uh, mid 80s uh, at some bad times for the club uh, and was always here. I think he's been ever present. He was a fan as well. He wasn't just a. Yeah, well, he uh, was even at the game. Well, he was at the game on Tuesday yeah. night. Um, so really sad news that yeah uh, passed away this morning. Yeah, so uh, very uh, sad to hear their condolences to his uh, friends yeah, yeah. and family. We're going to have a quick break here on Chart Live, and then we'll come back and talk about today's Legends United game. Clark goes left to Holmes. Holmes now attacking the left-hand edge of the penalty area. Goes past his man, Ricky Holmes, into the box. Chips the ball back across, looking for McGinnis, gets his head! Yes! And there's the opening goal! Charlton with a superb start to the game, a lovely work So welcome back, this is Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio on your Sunday evening. Louis Mendes, Terry Smith and Tom Wallin within the studio. Uh, now, it's... <laughs> We will need you to pick me up or a Philip after yesterday's uh, yesterday's game, and we've had the perfect one here at the Valley, the Legends United game. Celebrate 25th anniversary of the return to the to the Valley, which is coming up in December, uh, and also the 25th anniversary of the Charlton Athletic Community Trust being formed. And we're, all three of us were here today, and all three of us have just had the absolute best day, haven't we, Tom? Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I said when we were plugging it last week, I said it's it's everything that's good about Charlton. You know, the trust is internationally renowned the the history of the stadium itself is obviously you know folklore for us fans but known you know across most football fans in the country as well um, and to come down here and see players that I haven't seen well some players that I'd never seen play just heard of and then other players that are just so steeped in Charlton history you know to see Mendonca come back out on the valley pitch to see Powell back okay he's been here fairly recently but to see him back um, the likes of Kinsella Matt Holland um Dean Kiley, you know, not only players that I grew up, you know, being my heroes, but then players who were arguably part of the best teams we've ever had, uh, certainly in my lifetime. It was just just an incredible day and, as you say, just such good fun and a real feel-good day. You're in a very privileged position today, Terry. You got to commentate with some absolute legends. I've been grinning like a loon all day. <laughs> it, uh, and, and, and completely unexpected, I've got to tell you. I mean, uh, we were coming to this um, anyway this game and uh, I was always going to come to this there's no way I wasn't going to miss this um, and uh, then they asked uh, Jason Morgan uh, um, kindly said uh, kindly asked me to be part of it and uh, and yourself uh, even just to take some interview do some interviews with the mm. players and, and that was nice and then the club said well, we think we would like to stream it uh, not stream it um, broadcast it on Valley Pass asked me to do the commentary um, that I was in two minds about. I've got to be honest at the beginning because I wanted to enjoy this day mm. and I wanted to be. Uh, I was thinking about just doing it as a fan, but they asked and I said, "Okay." And I mean, they've been very good to me and allowed me to be, do the commentary for a few seasons now. So I said, "Yes, okay, I'll, I'll do it." And then, as a complete surprise today, because uh, I asked you to come up and co-commentate alongside me because I thought I'll be doing this by myself. It's going to be very lonely up there <laughs> um, and watch everything going on underneath. So uh, I asked Louis if he'd uh, come up and co-commentate, and he very kindly said yes. And then all of a sudden, up pops uh, up pops the club and says, "Right, we're going to bring some legends up to you." I went, "Oh!" <laughs> and then, I, as I say, I just grinned like a loon for the rest yeah. of the night. Uh, uh, but, um, Carl Lieben was the first one up. Uh, then Michael I had Bennett. Uh, Mickey Bennett, uh, who was an absolute legend, by the way. Mickey Bennett, I mean, I mean seriously good player that uh, whose, whose career was cut 
uh, cruelly short by injury. Um, he would have been an immense player. Uh, or No, he was an immense player. He would have gone on to be a, an even better um, remembered player. But uh, then, of course... Um, a little uh, Scott Minto came up, and uh, and then a certain Sir Clive Mendonca. Yeah, that was the best one because they didn't tell us they were bringing Mendonca up, all, but we no. knew we knew that the other three were coming up, and uh, oh, and Carl Robinson as well. Um, yeah, I thought you had uh, after the game. We went up into the Millennium Lounge, and again we were lucky enough to mix, smoozing, we yeah, smoozing, mix, mix with the players and have photos taken. Um, and but you were telling us a nice story about your ticket. Now, so you purchased oh, yeah, a ticket yeah. for. The covered in lower, and there's a nice story behind that. Well, um, 25 years ago, well, not quite yet, obviously not till December, but 25 years ago, um, we were part of the march. Myself, my dad, and my sister Christine. Um, obviously, we were uh, coming to the valley before we left. We went to Sellers Park, actually, all of us as well. Um, and so I wanted, when I knew I was doing commentary, I was, uh, I was always going to buy a ticket, I thought, to, to come and watch it. Um, when I heard that they were opening the lower covered in, that was a great news to me because I thought, oh great, I'll go to where we used to sit. I'll go and sit where uh, where we first sat when we first came back 25 years ago. Um, and then they asked me to do commentary, so I realised I wasn't going to be there. And uh, I got a message from my sister because obviously my dad couldn't uh, has passed away since and sadly couldn't be there. But my sister's now living in Ireland, West Cork, and uh, obviously couldn't be here either. And said, oh, she gutted, she'd do anything, she'd be, she'd give anything to be watching the game with me uh, today. So I thought uh, I'd buy the ticket anyway. So uh, I went and bought the ticket in exactly the same spot that we came uh, back 25 years ago and just sent her a picture saying she was here in spirit. So that was that was the reason for that. Mm. And we were talking about um, you know the the history that a football ground can have for you. And we are talking about how when, this was, I think, well, was at the start on air, about how important the valley is to people. And it is something that you remember... Um, you know, because you, you, it's it's a place you can come every week uh, or every other week, and you look around and say, think think of all the people you've come with over the years, and all the special moments you've had, and how you know, in the, in your day to day life, you know, boring day to day life, the, the, the football on the weekend is generally one some of the most exciting things that happens in in your life, and some of the most exhilarating moments of it. So to come back and remember, you know, for the likes of me who's been coming for about twenty twenty one years, and then people who've become lot much longer than that will have so many memories of the place. It's um it's something that I think um, some people, not everyone, obviously, usually because they're out of football and they're not uh, they're not in football and don't realise. But uh, some people don't get it. Some people don't get the attraction of of, of a building or, uh, or or a football pitch. They don't get that there's that magnetism that uh, that draws you to this place. Because let's face it, you don't come week in week out to the, to a football ground, especially this one. Uh, to watch scintillating football and constant winning of trophies, uh, European glory. Do you know what I mean? You, you just don't because it's never happened, or very rarely anyway. Uh, so what brings you back to the Valley week in, week out? It's the people, of course, the friends that you make here. It's the place, it, and, and it's it's an escape uh, for a lot of people, and I think a lot of people uh, have reasons why it is that escape I did, and, and a lot of people do. The, the reason you can't value, you can vent your spleen, you can shout, you can scream, it's it's somewhere where you can't do that in normal life, generally speaking, or you get arrested. Um, although, you get arrested here as well. Now you can, yeah. 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 Um, so it's it's just a place that um, means so much to so many people, and you know this is my 50th year now here, um, and... Uh, 
I never quite realised that uh, uh, the fiftieth year for me, me supporting Charlton coincided with the twenty five <laughs> years back. It, it, it completely passed me by until about uh, well two or three months ago. Mm. Uh, as for the game itself, it was uh, Keith Peacock 11 versus Dave Berry 11. And now Kevin Nisby got off to a storming start with, with his two goals in the first half. The first one's a particularly impressive finish to take it around Dean Kiley. I'm just talking about so many legends here. I smile every time I think about it. But, um, and uh, yeah, he got, got off to a great start, Kevin Nisby. I mean, it was ironic when uh, I asked Carl and he did say that of all the players he wanted him? to pick, it was Kevin Nisby. Oh, uh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it would be because he did. He, well, I know he probably was still playing up until. Or is he. He's last now, year is playing, was last, last year is playing at Whitehawk because okay. I, I know he's got against Crawley and, and like, was the Sussex year before Orion. He was there yeah, recently, years, wasn't yeah. he? So yeah, obviously he's not that long retired, but still, uh, you look at some of the other players, and <laughs> <laughs> I won't mention anyone in particular. No, I but, best not. <laughs> but yeah, he still seemed to have pace. He still had his touch. I thought Jace, Jason Yule up front for for yeah, the white team was the, the part, same yeah. as well. You know, everything for their team in the first half was going through Kinsella and him. So. Yeah, obviously those those younger players are are still going to have that little ounce of pace and stuff, but a lot of clinical finishing from uh, from Kevin Lisby there. I tell you what, he got slated by Clive Mendonca for uh, for not taking the penalty for his hat trick. <laughs> oh, that was yeah. Happy. I mean, yeah, as the game progressed, it was, it was a free all draw in the end, but there was a, a chance when the red team got a penalty. And it was about 20 minutes worth of deliberation as Lisby was stepping up, but the crowd really like wanted Powley. Yeah, yeah, the crowd really wanted Powley to take it. So eventually Chris Powell uh, stood up, and as you'd expect from a left-back, he blasted his penalty way over the crossbar. Right, right in the back of the cover, then. Yeah, but that was funny. Yeah, and the game the game in the end did go to the penalty. I'll tell you what we should mention, by the way. Steve Gritt's finish for that... Mm. Uh, for that, uh, that was not the best quite goal of the day, oh, it was a storming it? finish. Just unfortunate. It was in his own net. <laughs> well, so, so I didn't see that. He slid towards the penalty spot to connect with uh, what was a Jamie Stewart cross quite a, a decent Jamie Stewart mm. cross into the box and uh, Stevie Gritt slid from the edge of the D right to the penalty spot to connect with it Brilliant! and it went into the top right hand corner it's a wonderful finish <laughs> yeah see now at that, at that, is that moment in time I just heard a big cheer go up whilst I had my back to the pitch because mm-hmm. I was on my Photo taken with Super Clive. <laughs> oh, well, no, there's a reason yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> good enough excuse, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the game went to penalties, and Keith Peacock's side won it on that. Uh, and who scored the winning penalty? Clive Mendonca, who Mendonca, else? Of course. Excellent moment. Um, right, obviously, we caught up with a lot of legends after today's game, so we're just gonna, I'm just going to play you a mixture of a few of, of our interviews, just clips from them, but they'll come at once. So uh, it's, it's uh, Michael Bennett, Clive Mendonca, uh, Scott Minto. But first up, you're going to hear from uh, a, 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 one of the many legends who was on the show today, Carl Eburn. First, it's, it's a big thank you for the people that's turned up. Um, as I say, the main stand's pretty full, so that's that's a good thing. Um, and just seeing the faces that today, um, plenty of old faces. Obviously, one of my older managers, Curbs, he's here. Um, had a good chat with him. Robert Lee, uh, Paul Williams, Lee Bowyer. You know, it's, 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 it just it can go on and go on. But um, it's, it's great to see him. Yeah, and obviously all, all these faces coming back, it must bring you back so many, so many memories of your playing days here as well. Yeah, different memories for different players. You know, I, I um, obviously I was a uh, ten years basically at Charlton, so I, I, I played with uh, different teams, different players. So um, you know, I've seen Andy Barnes today, mate. He looks like he hasn't come off the pitch. He looks, <laughs> he looks. He said he came back this morning about three o'clock in the morning from holiday. He looks tanned. He looks like ready to go in the Premiership. So um, obviously, you see Scotty Minto today. Um, done a Q&A with Scotty Minto he was my roomie yeah. back in, in, over them years when he, whilst he was here so um, yeah fantastic Michael Bennett it's obviously it's a superb day back at the Valley today yeah it's great to be back you know um, especially meeting the, some of the former players that I played with um, and just seeing 
Yeah, it's just great. It's just great. It's a great turnout. It's, 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 it's a great, great cause. Uh, the trust. Um, yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, and uh, so many familiar faces. It must bring back some good memories of your time playing with the club as well. Very, very good memories. I mean, Bob Boulder, Colin Walsh, John Humphreys, you know, Paul Mortimer, to name a few. Um, and Alan, Alan Kerbish and Steve Britt as well. So, yeah, coming back and seeing the guys, it's, it's, it's great fun. When, when you first started playing for Charlton, they were away from the Valley, and I don't think you were here, actually, when, when they came back. Mm. So, what was it like playing without a club without its home ground? Did you think it held Charlton back at all at that time? Because I know we had promotion during that spell, but do you, do you think it held us back? I think, for me, it was a case of that Sellers Park was only club I knew and place I knew so for me it was, it was just normal uh, for some of the boys who had been here and then gone there it was, it was hard it was like playing away games every week um, but I think with the commander and the boys and got a head down and I think we got, we got on with it uh, that's why we was happy to get the promotion Scott Minto how are you doing it's, it's a great day to be back here at the Valley isn't it it is it really is and um, I've been back a couple of times more in a working capacity with Sky but it's really nice to just come here relaxed and see your old teammates you know most have changed I have to say some haven't changed but most have changed but you know the banter hasn't so it's been really really good just to yeah just to see people again that you you, you know you're not going to see again for a very long time great great memories here with the club great memories personal but also great memories with you know those guys that, that I used to play with back in the day yeah seeing them all again it must bring back your favourite moments of your career here at Charlton as well it does it does I mean I, I, I did a Q&A thing earlier and I said um, you know the, the back to the valley game there were six or seven thousand here but it, it for me it's one of the, the best games and also most atmospheric games I've I played in my career because I knew how much it it meant to everybody to the, to the club it was I mean, I, again, I'm being perhaps a bit selfish here and whether it's right or not is my own personal opinion, but the biggest day in Charlton's history to come back to the Valley. Um, obviously, great things happened with the, the FA Cup back in the day and also uh, the 98 playoff final. But for me, going back to the Valley was, you know, Charlton getting its soul back. So it, it was great to be a part of that and I, I loved everything about it. I loved everything about being at Charlton. I really did. I left from school at 15, uh, left at 24... I wrote Richard Murray a letter when I left and he said it to me one of the I mean this was about 10-15 years ago he said you're the only player that's ever written a letter yeah. and it was it was a very emotional time for me I didn't really want to leave but I kind of felt I had to to, to be a Premier League player at the time Clive um, it must be great to come back to the Valley today yeah it was I mean I finally got here as I've explained earlier my train was two hours late I literally, I was in the car for an hour, literally got into the changing rooms, got changed, I was straight on the field to take a penalty, so I missed the first half, but uh, I thought I got a lovely reception, and it was, uh, it's great to be back at the Valley. And to see so many familiar faces from your time here as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward after the match to see all the lads and have a good, good big crack with them and see how life is now. Uh, but as I say, I was late and I've never had the chance to speak to many people really, so it'll be nice to, nice to speak to them. And obviously you're a Charlton hero, your hat-trick at Wembley, no-one's ever going to forget. It must be nice to see the supporters again. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing. When I left here, I, I, I mean, I always felt when I put a Charlton shirt on, the fans were with us. And I think as a player, I used to give me all, that's all you can ask for, really. Uh, the fans have always been great with us, and I really appreciate that. I was just thinking when I was looking out there, some of the players, for example, Jason Yule, still looking really good, Nick, and some, it looks like some of them haven't played for a few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, you see the difference between Jason Yule. I know he does the under-21s or 23s yeah. for Charlton, so he, he's still involved on, on the pitch. You know, Lee Bowyer looks in great, Nick. And as I said, Anthony Barnes, and then you've got the likes of, obviously, Paul Mortimer, who um, 
great touches in midfield still, but uh, you know, he was saying to me, he suffers from his back, so you know, he's put a little bit on. Um, and you know, I, I'm looking at people like Walshy when I was young, young, just coming into the team, was playing, so they bring back different memories. Walshy, Curbs, Gritty. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just great to see them all. Uh, the fans as well, obviously, uh, for players who haven't been here for a while, a great chance to meet up with the Charlton fans again and to feel their support once again. Yeah, I mean, a great, great, great fans stuck with us through thick and thin uh, and deserve a lot of credit, to be fair. And, and even today's turnout shows you how much it means to the club and means to the fans. So fair play to them and thank you for coming. Yeah, it's obviously the 25th anniversary of the return to the Valley Cup. It's also the 25th anniversary of the Community Trust. I remember speaking to you uh, on, on one of the... Uh, Care yes. days a few a few yes. few months yeah, ago. Yeah, so obviously yeah. you, you know that the great work that the Charlton yeah. Athletic Community Trust yeah. has. As yeah, well. I mean I think, as I said before, I think uh, they've always been a lead in, in this area. Um, and I spoke to uh, Jason Morgan earlier on about the work they're doing, and obviously they've expanded that throughout more and more Kent. So I've always said that they they're a forward thinking, they lead the way really, and I think other clubs are following their lead. So fair play to them. The uh, protests have happened over the last couple of years, but where do you see the club now? I mean, you, you just shaking hands with Carl Robertson as he replaced you on commentary there. I mean, do you think he's the man to take him forward? I now? do. I do. Uh, I really do. I think he, you know, what he did at MK was great. I think uh, he would have learned a lot as well. By you don't always learn as a person as well as a professional when the good things, good times happen. It's about when there's bad times as well. And obviously, it was a difficult season when they got relegated. So I think he's he's, oh. he's got. Um, it's a goal, eh? It is a goal. He's got, he's got MK Dons up, he's experienced relegation, he knows this division really well, um, he's better manager than he was then, and yeah, I, I just think he's, without doubt for me, the person, you know, if he's given the support on every level, then I think he can get Charlton back into the championship, which is what I am so hoping for, because when I first came back into English football from doing La Liga, I said to the guys at Sky any Charlton home game is mine I'm doing it and unfortunately I think we lost 3-0 against Ipswich um, the Middlesbrough game was a real crazy game because you know we were sort of on the verge of going down Middlesbrough on the verge of going up there was all the protests going on and it was quite sad to see in many ways but somehow produced a fantastic performance so yeah you know I, I, I'm desperate for Charlton to get back into the championship so I can cover them a bit more Live. So there we go, just heard from a, a plethora of legends, really, uh, Carl Lieber, Michael Bennett, Scott Minto, Clive Mendonca there, I mean, the interviews we have of them are much longer, there's no way we could squeeze them all yeah. into, into one show, so we'll probably use them uh, in, in different ways over the course of the next week, I mean, Clive Mendonca, we're, we're just sort of chatting about what he does now. It's incredible to think that he's, you know, he's finished his career, and just because of the era he was in, he's, he's in that era where you have to go back out and get a job again. <laughs> Um, and he's he's back working at the car factory like he was before. Yeah, it's um, it's sad, and it, it, you know, you could probably go back quite quite a few uh, players like that, and uh, who uh, who if they were playing now would probably be uh, you know, a house on the Costa del Sol or wherever, mm. you know, mm. in, in in some island somewhere. They'd all be millionaires. It's just uh, yeah, it's a little bit sad, and even more so when you think of someone like Clive, who's 
comfortably a better player than uh, quite a few of the ones earning yeah. squillions now. So, uh, and that's not just him, by the way. Isn't it? You know, look like Paul Mortimer and uh, um, Paul Walsh and, and these sort of players. And you'd think, well, if they were playing now, good lord, how much money would they be on? <laughs> Yeah, um, and it, it, of all the legends that came back today, was there, was there anyone that particularly caught you? I was, I was, I was excited to see Herman Herodeson. Uh For me, it was Mendonca um, because uh, I think I, my first game I think was ninety six, ninety seven. So I saw him play two or three. I don't know how many times, but not a huge amount. Um, and obviously, only being six or seven, I don't have that many memories. So to actually see him again was great. Um, I also thought Kerbishly at first when I I thought, oh, he's looking a bit slow understandably but he had some nice touches and, mm. and sprayed the ball around nice so it was funny to see him so obviously I've only ever seen him in the dugout so that was good as well but yeah it had to be Mendonca for me um, he was the one It's a real tribute to Keith Peacock who went around organising these players uh, that he managed to get so many who, to, to want to come back today Yeah and, and uh, I think I've, uh, pretty much everybody said the same thing so when Keith Peacock rings you you don't say no <laughs> uh, so when he asks you to do something you just have to say yes because he's such a lovely bloke and uh, he's so Mr Charlton and everybody wants to do everything they can for him and, and of course the trust as well so the, the, both with Keith Peacock and Jason Morgan on the case it was always going to work wasn't yeah. it? We're going to hear from Jason Morgan in a few seconds time but I did actually when, when Jason was speaking to you uh, I sort of slightly on the commentary I sort of overheard uh, what you were saying but the conversation between Keith Peacock and Herman Herodeson how that one went that was quite funny. Well basically Keith just went uh, um, hello uh, Herman it's it, it, it's Keith. He didn't do the accent either, nor yeah. why. He said, hello, hello, Herman, it's Keith. Um, I just want to know if uh, if you'd be interested in, in, in a game that we're organising a Valiant. And basically, it was just like, yes, I'll be there. And he put the phone down. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't tell you Yeah, I mean, that was my reaction when I heard about it, it as like, well. Uh, yeah, it's like, the, I mean, we did call him the Hermanator, didn't we? So, yeah. for obvious reasons. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, Terry, you were also joined on commentary today by uh, the current chart manager, Carl Robinson. Was, yes. Yeah, and uh, I, so I had a quick chat with him after, because I just thought it'd be interesting to see how he viewed today's game and uh, what he could learn from the uh, the legends that he was surrounded by. Me and Bo and Jacko, we were still obviously, uh, we were here this particular time and we, we find the club in a, in, in a position which is far-fetched from where a lot of these players see it um, and our job is to try and relive some of their memories and try and get that passion back and obviously off the back of a disappointing result yesterday you still see the people who turned out today was uh, was important um, and I think it just shows you the strength of the football club I guess if you see the way that some of these players and ex-managers, of course, coming back are lauded by this crowd, I guess in 25 years' time, if you can be remembered like that here, you would have done your job, wouldn't you? Yeah, listen, I've always said it. I think if you speak to any of the people who are downstairs, I don't think it's ever been about one person in particular. I think it's been, it's been a collective effort of a lot of good people and a lot of a lot of hard work. Um, it's an amazing day, like I said, in the 25 years back to the Valley, you know, being part of that sort of celebration of the year in some ways. It just gives these players an opportunity with so many different backgrounds, living in so many different countries, to all come together and being a part of it downstairs and when they all arrived and the stories and everything else that went with that. But it was nice to see and I think it was a I think they'll all go away from here with, with equal fond memories. But all all coming back here with memories of what they all achieved and some had some great days obviously with this this crowd and a lot of success. If you could pick one player from these legends that would slot into your team now, which one would you go for? Probably the man about to score in a minute. I mean, he would have had about six yesterday, Kev. <laughs> oh, oh, no, not, not falling over like that. No. <laughs> yeah, I think Kevin, uh, Lisby would listen, I think. Listen, the stragglers that you see on show today, and obviously, I mean, Donkey just took over me from the from the comms, and, and these people are, are true goal scorers, and I think if... 
Maybe, as I, said, I think we take any of them. And have you had a chance to chat with the likes of Alan Kerbishley, Chris Powell, Steve Grit, the people who've yeah, managed this club before yeah, today? Yeah, well, we had a we had a sit down before. I want to speak to Gritty afterwards, and I think it's nice. I've just said to all of them to listen to, to Gritty and to Kerbs and people like that. It'd be a pleasure to come down to the training ground and to, to have a coffee with us and to spend some time with us next week. And, and just to give us some, some idea again listen no, no one person coming to a football club after a number of years of things not being quite quite great that we can't change anything overnight people are forgetting this is still a I've only been here eight months and that's quite that's quite long in uh, in terms of managerial career here or sustainability but it's going to take a lot of hard work and a lot of people don't see okay, the results on the pitch sometimes go for you or go against you and you've just seen from the 1st of July to, to up until a week ago, we were flying. And in the space of seven days, you lose two games and all of a sudden the things are very, very negative. And, and so much goes on behind the scenes that people don't see. And uh, what a lot of these great people did, and one thing that I listened to them today, the success wasn't immediate. It wasn't immediate. There was so many things that they had to change to, to reevaluate and to reassess. And, it's nice hearing some of their stories. Like I say, the stories haven't finished yet. We'll spend a little bit of time after the game. And, and certainly, like security and curves and people like that, they're more than welcome. All these people are welcome to the training ground any time they want. It'd be nice for some of our players to, to pick some of their brains as well and to, to, to really associate themselves with the history of the football club. And uh, finally, obviously, it's 25 years back in the valley. It's also the 25th anniversary of the Community Trust. Now, yeah. as a fan, I'm so proud of the work that Jason and his team do, and as a manager as well, you must yeah. be the same. Yeah, listen, one of, one of the things when I first walked in was well, I met Jason on day one, and he was uh, very proud of what they can do and how they affect the local community. I've always said that one thing Charlton prides itself on is the work that it does within the community. Whatever the social climate's going, whatever it's going on, they tackle every different type of issue that's, that's being put in front of them um, and they stand strong on that and they go into schools and they, they uphold themselves in a very dignified and a very classy manner and the work ethic from every one of him and his team is unquestionable um, and long may that continue, this club be a driving force within South East London Brilliant, thanks for- So there we go, that's Carl Robertson uh, on today's Legends game uh, I was just asking him if he uh, had a chance to speak to the likes of Alan Kerbishley Chris Powell, Steve Grit, all uh, taken turns managing this club. We saw, in fact, we saw him talking to Kerbishley, didn't we? Yeah, <laughs> we're in the, yeah, we're in the yeah. Millennium Lounge after. Uh, I'm sure that. I mean, yeah, if uh, anyone could learn from from people who've, who've done it, been there and done it before, can't they? Absolutely, no question about it. Uh, especially in this league, by the way. I mean, which uh, I mean, you head towards um, Chrissy Powell for that uh, particular uh, request, don't you? How'd you get out of this poxy league? Kerbs <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and then Gritty, obviously. Well, Gritty to a lesser. I mean, Gritty managed to. Um, Got Brighton to survive in the lower reaches, so he's he's been uh, down at this sort of obviously, but even lower than this. So uh, he'd be worth a chat. Um, when we get to the championship, then he can call uh, Curbs and uh, and Gritty up, and then uh, and, and ask them. Yeah, and then when we get to the Premier League, I think mean, Premier League is just Curbs. Yeah, now, isn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 right, we had a few emails in about today's uh, Legends United game. We're going to hear from. Uh, Jason Morgan in a few moments on Brian Cole says the Legends game took away most of the disappointment of the two losses well done to all involved it was a pleasure to be there today Cap uh, added oh a shout out for the community lads especially Matt Phillips who runs the walking football mornings at Eltham Goals on a Tuesday morning so that's all work that the yeah. community trust are involved in now Mark Newbury 
Uh, says, evening chaps, totally loved today to see so many legends. Was a great trip down memory lane. Fantastic to see Sir Chris again with his smile lighting up the valley better than any floodlights could. Choosing <laughs> a legend to put into our team today is almost an impossible choice. Dino was a fantastic keeper. Simon Webster was a really underrated centre-half but was steady as a rock and couldn't be intimidated and could, could put the ball away from a set-piece. I couldn't choose between Kinsella or Holland in midfield and up front. Super Clive Mendonca in his prime is the first name down on the sheet but personally, John Humphreys is a player I would have back in the side. Athletic, raking runs up the line and immaculate defensive abilities. I sat boring Mrs. Chef uh, with tales of each player and what they'd done in games for us, especially the playoff final winning ones and how my mother always had the hots for Sasser Illich. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, it says not forgetting the upbeats uh, either today. Always good to see those guys at any time. I don't know if um, if Mark Newbury's mum's seen what Sasserilix is the sort of mm. shape he's in now. That's harsh. <laughs> he's, certainly, he's certainly built. He's, he's put... still got a great penalty save. Oh yeah, he's got, he? so, so, some good saves. Yeah, it's like rolling back the years. It's, I thought Michael Gray had come back. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and he, he'd be he's welcome down here anytime. anytime yeah. None, of the, penalty, none yeah. of the penalties were that bad. <laughs> he should have had a spot out there. Yeah, we got two emails just quickly from Bob Knight. It says the first one's quite funny. It says um, um, I hear that Roy Hodgson has changed Palace's song from Glad All Over to Quying. Cool. Anyone remembers that classic episode of uh, Only Fools and Horses? Uh, and this is this is a long one. It says, "Hi guys, time to take stop. Uh, having seen most of the preseason friendlies, we look no better than last season until the Ipswich game. Were we that good or Ipswich that bad? Uh, this season, you can only beat what's in front of you. But when we played a proper team in Wigan, we were outclassed. We all know we need a quality striker. McGuinness works hard, but there's reason why he, the like the rest of them, are playing at this level." The step up, this setup is one dimensional. Playing two in front of the back four, and then the number 10 coming back means our striker is 30 yards adrift of the uh, rest of the team. Solly's criticism is unfair. If you look at the wingers' lack of tracking back for the overlap, Holmes plays well going forward, but when the ball is knocked, uh, is not knocked past him. He gives up. Kashi and Forster Kaski are stuck in central uh, and don't help wide. We're lightweight and too short in height across the whole team for this level, meaning we get bullied. When the target was set for top six playoffs, I could not accept this. Promotion is the only target. Get back to where we were before this useless ownership took over. Finally, let's consider the management team. Robinson has never played a good standard and doesn't seem to have worked uh, with top people. Boyer and Jackson are grateful for the jobs they have been given. But how strong are they going to be to tell Carl is wrong and needs an alternative? My fear is that the best we will underachieve will be mid-table with a list of excuses of a small squad of injuries driving more fans away next season. As a fan of over 50 years, I've seen teams play at this level before, but I've never felt so disillusioned as a Charlton supporter. Roland just has to go. Did you make that tell? There's a lot of stuff in there I agree with. Uh, and Difficult not to as well, isn't it, really? Um uh, especially, I, I mentioned it myself earlier on about uh, not having that steel and, and being bullied. Uh, I think that's uh, that's genuine, mm. um, and uh, there's a worry for me. And uh, as is squad depth, I think we've all said that over the period of the last um, four to six weeks. That uh, you know, our first, arguably 13, 14, um, I think we can see on their day are, are quality players. Beyond that, if uh, if we get two or three four injuries mm. I mean it's saying something that we're, we're desperate for Mark Marshall to come back and nobody's really seen him play yet uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, the same with Ben Reeves so yes I, there's a lot of that email that uh, you can't disagree with now, we had a tweet in from Roger Trask he says Robbo is right I think referring to the stability comment in the second interview there he says I went to Barnsley in 97 when uh, they got promoted to the Prem we got hammered and everyone was chanting curbs out Phew, that didn't happen. So <laughs> there we go. Right, uh, just our final interview for today's uh, Legends United game. And of course, uh, 25 years back in the valley. Also the 25th anniversary of the Charlton Athletic Community Trust. Who, I mean, we, we talk about them on this show so often. They do such good 
work within the local community. And we caught up with Jason Morgan, MBE, uh, no less, or Sir Jason Sir Morgan, Jason. according to <laughs> according to Terry, who's the CEO of the Community Trust. And I caught up with him just as the game was finishing, uh, just to find out how he thought the, uh, the game went today. Jason Morgan, uh, just at the end of the Legends United game today, very happy with how well it's gone. Oh, it's been brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I, I'm so pleased for Keith, because... You know, he's worked so hard on this and I know Leslie accused me of having an affair with him because he spent more time in my office and on the phone to me over the last couple of months than he has at home. But he's loved organising it and the nice thing about it, and I've said it down there and I've said it a couple of times, a lot of the players were phoning up asking to play. So we had a little bit of a dilemma. But, you know, I always said it and I, I've watched Keith over the years and the role that he played and the arm-round players and, you know, if they were moving on... <laughs> if they were moving on the um, the help he gave them and uh, I think it's one of them if Keith Pitcock phones you and asks you to play you play it's testament to the um, the appeal that this club has to anyone who sort of come through it the amount of legends that's turned up today oh yeah no fair play to them and the good thing about it there is a lot of them are still around you know Bob and Humps and, and Walshy you know in the lounges a lot of the lads have worked for me over the years I mean I coached Clive Mendonca's son on football courses a lot of the lads used to bring their kids onto courses. You know, Maltz turns out and does the walk. And, um, you know, it's that real family atmosphere, that community atmosphere that we've got here. And I think that's why a lot of them, I was around Curbs' house yesterday sorting his tickets out. And, and I think that's the nice thing about it. You know, it hasn't come as a, as a challenge. Um, it's been a pleasure to be involved in it. And, um, no, I just thank everyone for everything they've done. Yeah, all the fans that have turned up, of course, have submitted ticket money towards the uh, the trust as well, which means it's going to help continue the, the fine work that you and your team do within the local community. Yeah, and listen, the fans have been brilliant over the years. The support, um, you know, that they've had towards the upbeats. But, you know, the upbeats are really high profile. There's a lot of programmes going on deep into Kent. You know, there's a lot of one-to-ones mentoring programmes for some young people education, health initiatives, you know, so there's a lot of work that's done by our staff, which we're immensely proud of, you know, and all the money that's raised over these calendar of events and today will go in to continue to support the work that we do. And for that, you know, we're grateful. You know, we didn't want to price it up too much and we wanted, you know, don't tell my trustees, but this is not about the money. This is great that there's a bit of money and it goes into support projects, but this is about laying on a day for the fans uh, and bringing the players back. And that's what I wanted to do uh, first and foremost. You going off for a beer now, I imagine, Jason? Might have a couple. <laughs> well done I mean, for today. If he's still up there, actually. <laughs> yeah, trying to get him out. Yeah, yeah but um, uh, obviously Jason and, and his entire team and part of the reason we're, we're here today, the, the, the trust and uh, obviously the reason we're in the Chuckle Knife Studio, of course, because we wouldn't have one without, without the community trust, but you know what they do for, for the local community just um, is probably the best bit about this club, really. It's, it's something to be, uh, to be immensely proud of. Uh, from start to finish they're just an, an incredible bunch of people and um, everybody that works uh, at the Trust and behind the seats I mean Jason's obviously the figurehead and, and quite a few others get uh, get their faces in, in the frame but the you know the hard work that, that these guys put in day in day out uh, across across the community is just stunning mm. uh, and something yeah, absolutely we should be proud of yeah and uh, it was uh, like I say testament to the the, the uh, sort of the aura the club has around it that, pe- that people were so glad to come back and, and celebrate a fine day and uh, I want that, that afternoon we just had up in that in that uh, crossbar in the uh, Millennium Suite will sort of go down long in the memory really because it was, it, was, it was so good uh, right I guess uh, well, nearly, nearly the show nearly finished actually so I guess very quickly just sort of 
look for the week ahead now. It's so important now. We're we're in this slight rut that we have to we have to react now against Bury next week, don't we? Mm. And the good thing is we haven't got a Tuesday this week, have we? So no. um, yeah, a full week on the training field. Again, a chance to right the wrongs, bury another team down the bottom. I'm sure we'll discuss them more on Thursday's show. But yeah, as you say, we've got we've got to put it right now and if we can, as uh, as Terry said, we can put this weekend away as a as a bad one today aside. Consign it to the bin and uh, yeah. <laughs> get three points over to Berry. Um, and there's a load of tweets coming in. Sorry that we haven't had time to read them, read them all out, but uh, saying that quite a few of those legends out there could probably still get a game. <laughs> well, maybe uh, some of them could. Uh... Garmy wants to know if we can go and have a look on the pitch to see if Kish is still running around. <laughs> <laughs> some of them could get a game. Some of them could get a contract in uh, a, a modelling contract with Giacomo from what I've seen. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> right, this has been Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Uh, thank you to Tom Wallin cheers Louis thank, thank you. you Terry Smith cheers Louis thank hope you. you've enjoyed the show thanks for all the legends that joined us on Chat Live tonight after today's Legends United game don't forget you can you can, <laughs> yeah, you can donate to the Chelton Athletic Community Trust and we'll tweet out the link in a few moments time uh, to uh, add your, your funds to the, the, the great work that they do I've been uh, Louis Mendes has been Chat Life. hope you've enjoyed it myself and Tom and is Nathan back yet? Is he, he should be. I don't know. He's oh, seven months yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised he stayed married this this whole time. To be fair. <laughs> uh, so yeah, whoever's back, me and Tom at least will be back on Thursday for the big match preview. We'll see you then. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.